Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan. And today we're looking at Minute 69, which begins with Jones continuing not to care about Brett's death and ends with Ash saying, well, something rather mysterious that we will discuss when we get there. And once again, we welcome our guest, filmmaker and visual effects artist, Bruce Brannett. Welcome again. Pleasure to be here, and I miss Harry Dean Stanton already. Oh, it's, a, it's a great loss. John, what just happened in between this show and the last show? In between this show and the last show, overnight, last night when I was in bed, getting ready to wake up in the morning and record this episode, I received a tweet from Ann Bilson, author Ann Bilson, writer of My Day by Jones. The movie that's told from the point of view of Jones the Cat, and she the book that's told from the point of view of the Jones book. The Cat. Did I say oh. you said movie? It would be movie. a great movie. Oh, the rights are open. I yeah, I wasn't supposed to talk about that. <laughs> um, no, anyway, I I had asked her about the availability of the book, and she replied with, uh, "She has a book upcoming called Cats in Film, and this book will be included in this volume." So uh, for some reason, the book itself is not available, and she did not extrapolate on that at all. But apparently it will be available again in this volume that she's putting out about cats and film in general. Do you so think it's a bunch of different stories all from the point of view of different cats in different movies? I'm, you know, I don't know. I, I wonder if it's more she's going to talk about different cats in film and then this is going to be added into mysteries it. Mysteries and mysteries. We don't know. Because what, okay, let's just take one second and speculate. What other cats could she be talking about? That darn cat. That darn, that would be big though. That Doesn't that cat talk? No, uh-uh. That darn cat doesn't talk. No, it's no. been so long it's since like I've seen that It's like the ugly dachshund. It's just like a troublesome oh, okay. pet. Okay. Oh, that darn cat. That's kind of the epitome of, you know, it carried a whole movie on its shoulders. It was a cat vehicle. <laughs> so that would be a big one. What other cat I can't cat think movies? of any other ones off the top of my head. Okay, folks. Oh, I know. I know. Um, <laughs> Blofeld's cat. Oh, of course. <laughs> Blofeld's cat has a lot to he say. He has seen a lot, oh, that cat. He's seen multiple <laughs> versions of its owner. <laughs> exactly. Even. Multiple versions of James Bond as well. <laughs> like the same guys, they keep saying they're the same people, and they're different people. I swear to God, I'm telling you people, I'm not crazy. Yeah, really. <laughs> She's got her work cut out for her for yeah. that, that, that part of her book. So if you're listening, Ann Bilson, there's yeah. another chapter that needs to be in your book yeah, well i could only imagine she thought of cat. this one yeah she probably has and one. folks come to yeah this is this will be fun come to our facebook page and tell us what other cats she should talk about <laughs> what other ideas you have for maybe she'll be talking about in that book her twitter account is going to uh, <laughs> what do they do? do they explode what do you kids say these days with your twitter uh, accounts i don't know do they blow up what do they blows do? up i guess sure blows up is good. blows up all right well let's hope that ann bilson's twitter account blows up <laughs> maybe she'll join us at our facebook page or something Anyway, back to Jones, impassively watching poor Brett die. And then we cut to a big old close-up, almost as big a close-up as, as Jones, of Parker, right? Right. Um, yeah. It's kind of an ju interesting juxtaposition. We get the indifferent cat mm -hmm. to the ex extremely grief-stricken human. You know, this is the first time we've seen Parker like this. I mean, he was... His response to Kane's death was to take action and stab the shit out of that thing. <laughs> and, you know, he's a man of action. We get that. Here he's he's thrown off. He's definitely off character here. Um, whatever it was, it was big. Whatever it was, it was big. And whatever it was that was big killed my friend, my yeah. one true ally on the ship. 
uh, and the guy that I could push around and tell what to do, whatever <laughs> else constituted their relationship. So I, it makes sense that he's broken up about this. But we also, is, doesn't this add a little bit more? I mean, we've seen this alien. Of course, we're frightened and concerned about the state. But if then Parker's, seeing the big guy. If get, he's scared, yeah. If he's scared, yeah. oh, shit, we must be, it's time to be scared, right? Yeah, there's a reality. I mean, they know, he knows, assuming he's seen it from the director's cut. Right. <laughs> That they're they're in trouble up against something. They're stuck. There's no way off a ship like this. And then there's a really beautiful shot of Tom Skerritt. His eyes are really, really pronounced in the shot, and his poor Dallas. I mean, he he's just in the shit again. Yep. As he's going to have to figure his way out of this one. But isn't it funny? We've been talking about in the early stages of the movie. Dallas is cool as a cucumber. As captain of the ship, he's perfectly competent. But as soon as it gets away from being captain of the ship and becoming explorer, dealing with friends being, you know, face hugged, all these things, he started to kind of unravel. But here, maybe as a response to Parker's unraveling, he uh, he 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 gets it together. Yeah, he gets it together. Yeah, totally together here. He's the man with the plan. It's kind of funny that we don't get. He was so concerned about Kane at every step of his, you know, issue with the face hugger and then the chest burster. That now he's uh, he's somewhat indifferent to right. Brad. He's not mourning Brad at all. He's like, okay, enough of that. We got to get to having a plan again. So well, back- he's had a little time to think about it because I think what happened was Ripley came back and told him what happened. Parker, being a a good, frankly, a good naval man, yeah. Uh, has to go change and get out of his bloody whites and put new whites of course, on. Of course, of course, <laughs> right? that's right. So, yeah, we didn't mention that. So that's so that's what's what's happened. So he's he's come back and spiffed up a little bit, and he's got himself some coffee, and he's probably poured a little brandy in there, and he's trying to get it together. And this has given Dallas the time to uh, come up with a plan and realize he needs to put on a, a good face for everybody. Yeah, that's and my theory. Yeah. He's ready to make this plan, and so the main bit of information that he gets in order to postulate this plan is. That the thing must be moving around in the air ducts, correct? That's the information that we get from Parker. Right. And he jumps immediately into the plan, well, we can use the air shaft. So that, that would, that's to our advantage, he's hoping. So, but before that happens, Lambert does ask Ripley a pertinent question. Yeah, and it could relate to the air duct situation. Yeah. Because the assumption would be that if this thing's just the people eater, you know, it's just going to chew him up, spit him out, and take off. But instead, he's, Brett is not there anymore, and they know it moves around the air ducts. Therefore, it must have taken Brett into the air ducts. So Lambert asks what I think is a really good question. Could Brett still be alive? And initially, Ripley, she shrugs that off. She says, no. And then Ripley takes a moment to think about it and goes, well, I don't think so. Well, because you don't right. know right. at all. Yeah. I never really thought about that. And uh, I was thinking, as a kid, I think I did think about that. Because I wasn't sure what had happened with the extendable mandible. And I was like, what, what What? if it put an egg in his head? Yeah. You know, and, and as an audience, you do kind of start wondering those questions about, okay, so what is the actual life cycle of an alien? And and it's, it, you're right. It's a, it's a great question. One that seems obvious, but in fact is more obvious the other way, where no, we really don't know he's dead, other than his brain has probably been punctured and any sort of life we know it is gone but i mean it could have been it, the alien might have just lobotomized him you know might have just taken that frontal lobe and that's part of the, <laughs> the process <laughs> i don't know you can make all kinds of assumptions i still think it's a good question it's such a mysterious thing especially when you don't get the pull up that whole thing we're all so confused still about exactly what happened like you said yeah that we don't know and 
Again, here's an example of Lambert asking a question that we want to ask. But maybe people look past these questions because of the way she asks them, because of the nature of her character. I think that comes up over and over again. Like sometimes she's really doing what she's she's asking the questions we want to ask. She's doing the things she's supposed to be doing. She actually does know what she's doing as far as a navigator, but it's hard to pay attention to it because she's always panicky and always such a dark cloud and it's all these things. Right. It's an interesting <laughs> aspect. So you understand why Ripley, I wonder how often Ripley just shrugs off yeah. what Lambert says because of how she asks and what, if that's part of what's been the problem between the two of them earlier in the film as well. Yeah, well, uh, Lambert is more a surrogate for us. Absolutely. She would not have stuck around that docking claw when she found the... That's skin right. thing she would have gone oh look at that goodbye yeah she never <laughs> would have gone she would have said okay fuck this man i had to go out on that planet already i'm not the one going by myself yeah. again there's no way and we'll she get, would have had a, there would have been an argument set a bowl of cat food by <laughs> yes. the door we're going to get an interesting echo of that later on in this minute but before we get there we now are at the point where dallas very calmly throws out his plan yep which is let's get it if it's in the air ducts let's keep it there and direct it in into a certain part of the ship and zap it into space. Good plan. Yeah, it's a pretty good plan. We need a plan at this point because chasing the, the little creature with a net and a cattle prod didn't work. Yeah, and, and <laughs> so, thankfully, Walter Hill and other writers resisted the moment where uh, Parker says, we're going to need a bigger net. Like they could have really, really played in the old Jaws popularity of the time, but they didn't, thankfully. Now, the big, now we need a real plan and Dal- man, Dallas is here to do it. He's he's come back to us. He's our captain again. He's wearing that beautiful watch that's right there in frame. Oh, so so <laughs> the, I have not noticed the watch. The Wait, watch is, is, is there, beautiful. Is it a is a, a specific watch to the movie? I don't know, but it, yeah, oh, I'd imagine so. But yeah. it, it has that wonderful kind of calculator watch, but a little bit more archaic looking. That would sort of like the design of the ship. It's looks old fashioned and very new at the same time. And did, did they did they make one of those? They need watches? to make them. I don't think so. I don't. It seems that most of the stuff that they make is aliens stuff. The shoes. The mm-hmm. I think there's a watch for aliens. So on our list for... is Whalen Utani beer. We want some of that. Yep. We want to be able to drink that wearing our watch. Our our yeah our Whalen Utani captain's, captain's watch. watch. The captain's edition. Tennis shoes. We want those tennis shoes. We want shoes. those tennis shoes. Yeah, I want those. I got my hat already. You already got your hat. Jealous. I wouldn't. I'm jealous of that. I think hat. you do. Uh, you can get the jacket. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Oh, those sweet. Mr. jackets. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Other than that, I'm not really thinking of anything that I can get a Hawaiian shirt anywhere. So flamethrower. Oh well, that goes. That goes. Saying, but we can all right? build one of those in our garage. Yellow, yeah. yellow cat. <laughs> yellow cat. One of those. Lots of people named their cats Jones after this. That's true. Well, what's cool is this very understated plan that Dallas lays out, cool as ever. And then there's this little energy bump that we get from the editing when we go back to Parker, reestablishing that that son of a bitch is huge, <laughs> right? And there's and the energy is interesting because if you watch him in the master, I don't think it's quite the same as when they go back to that close-up. So that close-up was from the earlier, he was saving it for the close-up mm. probably, um, or it was an earlier take because his energy is a little different. But that close-up really does give it a real kick in yeah. the ass right yeah and it's yeah i think we need that we're not really getting anything else from anybody in this scene either uh, other than ash who sidles up this is another great ian holm moment well wait a second what? he does sidle up you're right you're okay yes. yeah you do that and then i'm gonna get to lambert so okay yes. so we we get ash sidles up to, as the plan begins i he sidles up to dallas sort of sideways gives him a little side look 
And I swear he juts his belly out just a little bit and lowers his lip slightly. He's standing there like a pouty four-year-old. Ashes. Ashes. Because he wanted to come up with the plan or he wanted them to not come up with the plan. Or he doesn't want them to come up. He's being, he's suspicious of the plan. He's checking out the plan, but he's going, I don't want this plan. This is might actually be a good plan. How can I'm, I'm going to have to figure out how to undo this plan. He does so, give him a great side eye, though. It does. He? he does. It's very strange. Well, <laughs> the other thing, too, one more, score one more for Lambert, is the shot of her is a long-lensed, shallow depth of field shot. It's a really beautiful shot of her yeah. in profile. Mm-hmm. And I point that out because a little bit later we're going to get to another shot of her in a subsequent scene that is wide-angled, terribly lit makes her look grotesque and distorted but here's like the kind of last beautiful shot we get of lambert but what's the great counterpoint to that is the reaction on her face and you know she she says who's gonna go into who's the gonna n- go in right <laughs> we're back to that we're back scene. to that thing where they're like you're gonna go down in the landing party and she's like great you know so she's just <laughs> thinking oh shit here we go again right and she's like where's my where's my cigarettes i'm about to get fucked uh, again like she because earlier she's smoking that cigarette going i know i'm gonna i know i'm gonna be the one i know i'm gonna be the one here she's just like left in the oh no it's gonna be me again but it's not this time yeah, thank goodness. Thankfully for her. Thank goodness. So that's Maybe for what, everybody. So that's intercut into this kind of rant that Parker is about the size of it. It's big, it's big. And he says, you know, that son of a bitch is, is huge. And then we cut to Ash, and he says something. And it's so funny, I was sitting here with Bruce, and we were reviewing the scene. Bruce was like, what did he say? <laughs> and when I was a kid, when I first saw the movie, and forever, forever and ever and ever until this very podcast, I always thought he said, and again some. Like, it's big. No, it's bigger than big. That's I, that's what I always heard. But, of course, that's not what he says. Bruce, what did you think he said? There? Well, you know, I actually I went to the script because I could never tell what he said either. Oh. But, I, you know, watching this Blu-ray here, I did hear it clearly as Kane's son. Which it's is so a, weird. It's a weird thing to say. I'm so glad he mumbles it because I think if he'd have said it any bigger or stronger, everybody would have gone. Ugh. I mean, it's kind of right on the edge of just like yeah. silly. I think again, this is another point where Ian Holm does the right thing in delivering the line. Like he knows that it could go to silly, and like you said, he mumbles it a little bit, and then I think that Ridley Scott and the editor edited it correctly. Because what we need is we need the rest of the crew also to go, huh? What? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Because we get that. Everybody goes, huh? Just, and it's not for long enough that we really take any time to think about it either. But ha- had there been some longer reaction shots, Mitchie probably would have at some point in the past gone back and said, why are they reacting so much to him saying that? Like, you might have wondered, well, what are those shots for? But it does motivate Ripley in what we'll talk about tomorrow and in, right. in the next minute. Um, but. She doesn't need that motivation if you don't even know what he says. I mean, all you know is he said something that's not helpful, and that mm. gives her a, a bit of motivation to say what she says. But, wow. I mean, it's, I still am just kind of – and it's in the script. Yeah. It's, it's like it's written there. It says Kane's son in the script. So which what a wacky notion. On paper, Mitch, if you were – if somebody gave you the script and said, you know, give me notes on this, wouldn't you put a big X over that? I think I would. Well, yeah, not to mention the fact that the only robot, I mean, only somebody who really is, uh, or a psycho, would actually say that. I mean, that is Mm -hmm. a very, not only non-helpful thing, but it's weirdly disrespectful and atonal and just one more reason that you don't want to trust Ash. And so it could have 
not helped, you know, the, well, what, the, the gag that's coming up, the mm. reveal. So taking into consideration that he is an android, as we know, what do we make of that from an android's point of view? Why would he? The hyperdyne models are twitchy. It's that's a philosophical. It's kind of it philosophical. Is, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to delve too much into, you know, Prometheus land. But there is a lot of the maker and the makey within that that is somehow almost foreshadowed into that movie. Think of it what you may. Yeah. Um, as far as you know, the lineage of the alien. Yeah. It's still weird. It's very weird. <laughs> it's so yeah. weird. And that could be that could be contained within this movie of the lineage just on a pure DNA level. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Where he's already examined the DNA, most likely, and has seen what well, he that, knows of it, and that, that would be explained with that line. Sure. It, it, so it, in that case, it's a scientific analysis. He's saying, yes, he is the direct... Maybe this is the way, instead of the, as we talked about, the skull inside of the alien's head being a sort of short... Uh, shorthand about the DNA, the evolution of it, and have its human connections as far as its DNA. This is another way of them sort of telling that story. That this is this is Ash saying, "Well, if it's huge, if it's like a man, which that's another line that Parker gives, actually, right? Yeah, he says it's like a man, it's huge. Right. So if it's like a man, this is Ash coming to this realization, and because he's a little glitchy, he t- he thinks out loud, <laughs> and he says, "Oh, Kane's son, huh? Yeah." And yeah. everybody goes, what? And so in that case, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't have anything else. Do you, Mitch? No. Uh, we we end the scene on on Ripley looking at him after saying that line. And so we're mm-hmm. about ready to hear what she's going to say. But you got to wait till tomorrow to go into that. So I got nothing else. Awesome. All right. Bruce, tell us again where you can be found on the Internet. Uh, I can be found at on Twitter at BranitFX. That's B-R-A-N-I-T-F-X. And look up Branit.com for my directorial and writing page. And you can find us at AlienMinute.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at AlienMinutePod or on Instagram at AlienMinutePodcast. Uh, come over to the Facebook page and check us out over there. You can uh, just ask to join the group, come in and give us your insights on the movie. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow for Minute number 70. And then some.